Hey everybody, and welcome back to Flightcast. I'm Jason Rosewell. Over there is Mark Skyhawk Heavy Denton. What's up? And uh, this is a show where we discuss everything Infinite Flight and toss in some real-world aviation stuff when we can. Infinite Flight is a mobile flight simulator that you can find in the App Store or Google Play. How are you, Mark? Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing real well. I woke up this morning, so I'm off to a good start. Hey, hey, that's always a bonus. Isn't it? You're welcome. And, Mark, speaking of bonuses, we have some sort of cool news that I haven't mentioned on the podcast yet, but it's been floating around the Infinite Flight community, and uh, I just want to toss this out there for people, if you don't mind. Yes, I wish you would hurry up and just do it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you and I have been talking already for 15 minutes, so you're already sick of me. We just started the Mm. episode. Anyway, let's get to it. Yeah. Uh, So, Mark, we have some cool news. The podcast has some very faithful supporters, and of course, we are thankful for all of them. Uh, If you are a regular supporter of Flightcast, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, It's humbling, and we couldn't do it without you. and in the effort to give more of our listeners a way, a practical way to support the podcast and get something in return, we're launching something called Flightcast Airport Cafe. And uh, this will like be, it. yeah, this will be sort of similar to a Patreon type idea for those that are familiar with that, um, with the very important exception that it's not Patreon. We're going to do it ourselves. I don't even know what Patreon means. What is All right. That? I'm glad you asked. So Patreon is a yeah. service and an awesome service. This is something uh, it, um, Flight Chop, Steve Thorne, he's a Patreon guy. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. you can subscribe to um, – it's sort of like a crowdfunding um, on an ongoing basis. So – uh, you know, like with crowdfunding, you can get you can subscribe to like a, a low package where you donate a couple bucks and you get some sort of a perk. And then there, the packages uh, increase in value. And then you uh, eventually, if the project gets backed, then you get that perk. So it can be anywhere from you donate a couple bucks to you donate a thousand dollars, and you know you get all kinds of cool stuff. So with so it's pay- kind of like my nine hundred number that people pay four ninety nine a minute just to be able to talk to me. Yeah, sort. Oh, okay. Sort of like so. What we're gonna what we're gonna do instead is we're going to do a, a sort of a Patreon esque service where you are our patrons. Only in this case, we're gonna call you crew members, and uh, our all of our crew members. You'll subscribe to, um, uh, and we haven't worked out all the details yet, so I'm not gonna say when it's gonna start or how much it's gonna cost. But it's gonna be, you know, we're talking like less than a cup of coffee you know in a month something like that for less than 40 cents a day Lord, if we're talking yeah we're talking about <laughs> starbucks versus other coffee shops it's different right but um so you know you choose a membership level um you uh, get extra bonus content and then as you move up the perks sort of increase so we're going to do perks like uh, monthly video calls with our hosts, uh, Skyhawk Heavy and myself, uh, some guests that are, are graciously going Wait, to donate some of their calls? time. Yeah, man. We're going to get on a, a Google Hangout or something. Uh, we'll have our developers on once in a while as they can uh, donate a little bit of time. Um, we're going to offer huge discounts in the Flightcast 
store so that you can buy things like t-shirts, hoodies, hats, accessories um, at a huge discount. Um, Really just lots of bonus material. So Mark, you and I are heading to San Francisco in less than a month and uh, that's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be rolling tape the whole time we're there. So lots of great audio content. The internet. Mark will be providing the internet since my <laughs> Canadian carrier <laughs> rakes me over the coals for that. Uh, we're going to be uh, lots of great chats, uh, audio chats, lots of great video stuff. Um, and yeah, just lots of good bonus material. And of course, last but not least, you will get our gratitude knowing that you're supporting uh, our little show here. So it, I'm excited about exactly. this. Uh, it's going to be so fun. And it's going to be, you said multi-level, um, yeah. we had, was it three levels? Yeah. So like, I think you got the basic level, which is like, I know, oh, I thought we agreed to call them laugh techs. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're still working out the, the details, as I said. <laughs> uh, and then we'll go, I think to first officer and then captain. And then who knows if we've got the demand for something bigger then we'll go CEO, but I don't know. We're, we're working out those details and it's going to be fun. Yeah. That'll be good. Cool. So no launch date yet. Uh, it's coming up. We're working on some of the logistics, the technology and stuff to add to our website. It will be available at flightcast.audio at some point, and we will let you know. And when. as a bonus, I will get dressed for the video chats. Mm-hmm. I'm just putting that out. I will Mark, get dressed for Mark those. will be wearing a shirt. Pants might be optional depending on the camera. <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Well, listen, why don't we just get right into today's interview? Yeah, sounds good. I'm really excited about this one. Um, We are going to, yeah, Mark, we're going to start with today's episode. We're going to start a little, uh, once in a while, we have a little series going. We've got our real life pilot series, which is awesome. Those always get the most listens along with our developer series. Um, uh, Episode seven was the best. (laughs) That would be, of course, Mark's episode. Uh, it's so good that you just don't seem to leave. Exactly. I can't, exactly. Get, I can't get rid of you. Uh, well, sending me business cards, you know, with my name and email yeah, on that it. Didn't kinda, help, did it? <laughs> yeah, that didn't help getting rid of me. <laughs> yeah. So we are uh, actually today starting our, and, and I don't want to say just, I don't want to just leave it at plane spotting. Um, I want to say aviation photography series because I think there's a bit of a, bit of a difference between just plane spotting. I mean, I'm a plane spotter. Doesn't mean I'm an aviation photographer. So um, I'm going to start a series today called aviation photography uh, or something like that. Plane spotting is more amateur. Aviation photographer gives that more professional. Yeah. uh, However, if if our guest is okay with it today, I might use those terms interchangeably, but let's, let's get him in here and we'll, we'll ask. Jan Yazinski works as de-icing bay lead at Ottawa's McDonald Cartier International Airport in Ontario, Canada. But that's not how we discovered him. He is, in my opinion, one of the best in aviation photography or what's commonly referred to as plane spotting. Jan is a published photographer and student pilot, and he joins us today from his home in Ottawa, Ontario. Jan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jason. So nice to have you here. Yeah, this is awesome. We've the, and 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 the three of us know this has been sort of a long time in in the works. You're a busy dude, and uh, I'm really thankful that you've been able to make some time for us here today. Oh, I appreciate uh, having you for the interview. I really like to get uh, people to know what I'm doing and stuff like that, just uh, so they realize that 
um, what de-icing is and photography, all that is, just because people on the internet seem like they're um, very different people, but in reality, we are much nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, that's Uh, that's always the hope, anyway. (laughs) That's definitely the hope, Yeah. yeah. So, Jan, why don't we get into, really, what I love to start with is just the beginning with people's love for aviation. So, tell us a little bit about how you fell in love with airplanes, and uh, where did it all start for you? Uh, yeah, so I've uh, basically, I've traveled very much uh, in my childhood, and uh, I've always been interested by transportation. So, I've had um, short phases that I liked, uh, trains or tramways, uh, cars, things like that. And uh, I think at around the age of seven or something, um, I was starting to notice aircraft when I was traveling, and uh, something about them just was very appealing to me. And uh, since then, it just stuck to me as a passion and a hobby, uh, just seeing different shapes of aircraft, uh, especially seeing um, all the types of colors on the uh, aircraft tails at major airports. Um, to me, it was fascinating to just see how uh, the entire world gathered into one big airport with their color schemes and the aircraft types and all that stuff. Very cool. So, and you have actually just, uh, well, recently at some point started um, some pilot training, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I started uh, around just the beginning of the summertime. Uh, so I started working on my private pilot's license and uh, I'm pretty close to completing it. But uh, of course, our Canadian weather is slowing things down very much. So it's not all yeah. that easy to get the hours in. Yeah, yeah, I'll get what, like four days of summer, something like something that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. You really have to cram That's in cool the though, man. time. <clears throat> That's cool that you're getting your pilot's license, man. Congratulations on that. Yeah, thanks. It's um, in the works. It's uh, not easy, but I think with passion, it's uh, very much doable. You just have to put in the work and, and concentrate on it uh, as you go. Yeah, and, and you're training in the airplane that uh, Mark would call a go-kart with wings. <laughs> That's right, yeah. We're flying some uh, Cessna 150s and... Although they're not the newest <laughs> aircraft out there, it's uh, it's good practice, and I'm sure if uh, if I ever have an emergency landing or something, I'll uh, definitely know how to recover from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get that inadvertent training in the 150, 152. Just you know, just make sure that you have spare rubber bands to keep that engine wound up <laughs> with you in your flight bag, and you'll be all right. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, that's something your CFI might not tell you. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, you know, obviously we want to talk uh, tons about your, uh, your two jobs. Um, but I, let's just uh, continue on with getting to know you a little bit. You are originally from Poland. Is that right? Uh, I was actually born uh, here in Gatno, so near the Ottawa region. Okay. And, uh, however, I've been raised by uh, two Polish parents who are from Warsaw, Poland. So I've been speaking Polish my whole life, and uh, that's my main language, actually. And, uh, the way I think mostly and my culture comes from Poland. <clears throat> Et uh, français aussi? Uh, oui, bien sûr. <laughs> okay. All right, Google. now look. Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> Google Translate doesn't work that fast, so y'all are going to go a little bit slower. Mark only speaks American. Okay. That's, yeah. That's a good language to know. Yes, yes. My, my, my second language is English. Okay. It's also a good one to know. Yeah, so, so well, that's something we all have in common, which is great. So you have uh, traveled lots. You've been, had this passion for sort of transportation, and then more recently, it sounds like uh, really digging into aviation. So um, let's talk a little bit about your job at YOW. Um, and now you said you live in Gatineau. So for our uh, uh, non-Canadian listeners, that means that uh, Jan actually lives in 
uh, Quebec, uh, La Belle Province. And uh, so he's just, a, you're just across the river, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, you are commuting across the bridge to YOW at that uh, McDonald Cartier at the International Airport in Ottawa. And so what does a de-icing bay lead mean? Uh, so basically a bay lead is the person who's in charge of the base. So uh, what a bay is at a, at a uh, de-icing facility, basically it's um, where the aircraft is going to park and that's where the operation is going to commence for the de-icing. So uh, here in Ottawa we have four bays or uh, we can have two bays for wide bodies, so uh, big aircraft. And so, but usually on a regular basis we'll, uh, we'll be doing four aircraft at, at the same time if it's a busy time and uh, we'll have four different bay leads. So each bay lead is responsible for that aircraft, the flight that comes into that bay. And uh, in each bay, we're supposed to have four trucks that go onto the aircraft. Uh, so I'm basically responsible for making sure that those trucks come to the aircraft and everything is safe and that uh, they spray every contamination that's necessary. Um, and as a bay lead, I communicate with the tower who communicates with the pilots and uh, they notify me of the type of treatment the pilot is requesting. So usually um, our most common procedure is going to be wins and stab type 1. So what that means is basically we remove the contamination with uh, the glycol fluid from the wings and the stabs in the back. Um, but then we also have different procedures. Uh, if it's snowing or there's precipitation, uh, we'll put in a type 4 fluid. So that's uh, an anti-icing coating. Um, and there's also, if, uh, if there's heavy contamination on the entire aircraft, uh, we'll have to do a full body spray, which means basically... Uh, removing all the snow off the fuselage of the aircraft or any other place that we'll see it. And uh, as a bay lead, we have to communicate with them constantly and uh, notify them of what we see, actually, so the pilot can be aware of, uh, of the hazard that he has on his aircraft, and then we proceed on to uh, actual spraying of the aircraft. Wow. So that could actually take up quite a significant amount of time. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds long when you explain it, but uh, once you actually, if it's just a regular day of operations, uh, as soon as the aircraft comes into the pad, uh, in about one or two minutes, uh, we can start spraying the aircraft once everything is, uh, the brakes are set and uh, we have proper uh, communications with the pilot. Okay. And Mark, feel free to jump in here at any time because you've been uh, on the ramp a long time. But what, uh, Jan, what how what's typically the length of time that it takes to actually de-ice uh, i'm assuming that depends on a lot of factors including the size of the aircraft and what you need to actually do to it but what would be like a typical amount of time a typical amount of time i would say would be uh two to five minutes if it's just a quick spray okay however if we have something like a snowstorm or a freezing rain uh, it could take up to 45 minutes uh, on a single aircraft oh wow and you don't yeah. spray at the gate, correct? Your bays aren't at the gate. Uh, no, we have a separated de-icing facility. However, uh, during the early seasons, like uh, in October and things like that, uh, we can do gate sprays. So uh, basically, we send over four trucks to the gates, and uh, we do just the winds and stabs, quick frost sprays. Okay. Yeah, that's what we did mostly. Um, we didn't have any of the de-icing bays. I mean, we, we had them just in case if an aircraft had to, you know, was at the end of the runway and... Um, you know, they got delayed for weather or whatever. And if they sat out there too long, then we would have to go out there and de-ice them again. Um, but most of the time everything was done at the gate. So, um, that's pretty cool though, that you guys have the bays out there. Yeah. When I was at, um, I was on a Southwest flight out of Buffalo and, uh, they basically pushed us back into what must have been 
a de-icing bay because it was just sort of out on the ramp, out in the middle of the ramp. That's possible. Uh, it, it depends on the airports, uh, how they function. But for example, uh, like JFK, they do the de-icing on the taxiways. So they'll actually uh, push the aircraft back and uh, just start spraying it on the taxiway. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, most of what we did in Mobile was just simply getting the frost off of the flight controls, uh, like you were talking about the uh, the wings and stabs. And uh, but when I worked up in Springfield, Missouri, then we would have to do you know the full de-ice, and um, that was always fun. Of course, uh, I would always want to get up in the cherry picker and get out there and do it myself. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a fun job, and uh, the perspective is. you get is uh, it's unbeatable. I think. Well, now would you agree? Would you agree that glycol, when you get that blowback from the wind, does it not have that very sweet taste to it? Uh, yeah, it does. I've had the uh, fortunate experience last year when I was doing the open bucket, <laughs> uh, and it's uh, sometimes it's tough to to keep calm there because the conditions can get very difficult, especially when it's uh, some strong winds and the. Oh, yeah. Uh, accidentally um, press the hose to release the fluid and it goes into your face. So <laughs> there have some, uh, some incidents and stuff, but I mean, it's part of the job, right? So yeah, whenever I'm sitting on the airplane in the, in the warmth, I'm not envying you guys as you're out there doing that job, especially in no, the winter. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough job, but uh, you got to do it and you just got to look at the positive stuff about it and all that negative stuff goes away quick. Now, I've got it. We, we've got lots of questions from the community later on, but um, I have to ask, uh, as we sort of merge this conversation into photography, you've got a pretty wicked um, vantage point, and you've started to sort of post some uh, interesting photography and video work on Instagram and things like that. Uh, and I, I don't know, I might've seen some stuff on Facebook, but, um, you know, where you're running what I'm assuming a GoPro, um, as you're actually de-icing and you're doing like, um, time-lapse sort of, uh, fast motion videos. So um, I've tried, um, I've tried the GoPro once in the open bucket last year on a seven, six, seven. Okay. And, uh, I've been wanting to do that for a long time just because, uh, the perspective is so cool that I want to share it with the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, the f- recent photos that I'm posting are mostly with my phone because uh, I am actually working during that time. So, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I need to limit myself with the the photos at that point. But uh, I just do the occasional little video clips and things like that, just to kind of keep memories going. Uh, it's not really production stuff for me. It's more of just um, showing to people what's going on with the de-icing, uh, my perspective on it, and all that. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Well, let's let's get into photography a little bit. And like I said, we're going to go back to de-icing with some of the f- community forum questions. But um, so let's. The, I mean, when I when I toss this out to the community, and and just so you know, Jan, the uh, we have an infinite flight forum that's got uh, what, uh, coming up on literally tens of thousands of users. Um, and so I sometimes will say, hey, here's who we're going to interview next toss the questions out. So we've got tons and tons of those um, that I've whittled down to a few. Um, But one of the main questions was around your photography rig. So um, now I know your gear and this, I don't know if this is a current list of gear, but your gear is listed on your website, which let's just plug that now. That's, um, uh, well, I'll let you do it. Where do people go if they want to see more of your work? Uh, Yeah, so that would be on my website, uh, photoyan.ca with the J. 
and uh, I currently have my my current gear list is up on there right now. It's uh, it's current up to date as well as uh, my software. So uh, the laptop I'm using and the editing software, and uh, I'm using a Canon 6D camera and it's a uh, full frame. So to me, um, I bought that camera around three years ago, and uh, that's really when my photos began to become uh, the the next level from uh, my previous camera. Uh, just because it allowed me to have uh, the best quality that was available at the time. Um, I could have the most light entering the camera with my lenses. Uh, so it was really, um, it was an expensive investment, but uh, it turned out to be very worthy. And it's still my main camera uh, today that I use. And although it doesn't have much life left in it, it's uh, it still does, does the job for me. And uh, I really can't complain. So... Um, that's the D6, and then what are you? What are what lenses are you taking with you when you're going to do some aviation photography? Uh, basically, so I have a, a large backpack, and uh, I have all my lenses in there. So my main lens is my uh, 100 to 400 series, and then uh, my backup for wide stuff is my 16 to 35. Um, I have a fisheye lens as well, uh, 24 to 105, and uh, a 135 f2 lens. Uh, those lenses get used um, not as often just because the purpose of them is uh, more limited. However, uh, when there is that occasion to use the lens, they do really come in handy to get that one shot that I'm looking for. Okay, very cool. And there, I've seen, uh, there was one picture of you, I think you might be sitting in a stadium or something, and you've got that massive zoom lens on your camera. Yeah, that's <laughs> the uh, that's the Hubble lens, I think, the Hubble yeah. telescope lens. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, I have the. Um, I'm fortunate enough. Uh, sometimes when I'm traveling, I have some uh, other friends who also do plane spotting, and uh, they've got bigger lenses than me. The ones that I uh, dream of having one day. So uh, I always try and get a photo of that, uh, just because it's uh, always excites me to have a lens like that in my hands. Because the photos you can create with them is simply uh, incredible. Oh, and you you can get the best depth of field shots with those zoom lenses right like that's that's the the difference i mean i've got my you know i've got my dslr and i can get some decent shots with it of of stuff that's up close but when you're trying to take something at a distance and you want that close up but but with lots of that depth it's impossible unless you've got that great lens exactly yeah and uh, it's also difficult with those lenses because uh, even when you're looking for the depth you really need to have the right conditions for it Right, because uh, I have used those lenses very much in conditions that were not work that uh, were not very clear, and um, I used to think it was the lens that was not sharp and everything. But it's it really really matters if you have clear weather, um, crisp air, and all that stuff. Okay, so that that's a question that I hadn't planned on asking. But why don't you give us a couple of tips if somebody were to just go to an airport? Let's say I went out to Toronto, and I'm at Pearson. And you said, okay, here here are some of the main tips I would give somebody to just get those great shots that you're looking for for your average plane spotter. What tips would you give us? Uh, that's a tough one because uh, I can't remember what tips I had uh, when I started, but uh, definitely take the most photos you can. And uh, it's really more about uh, just observing um, different angles and stuff like that, trying out new things every time you take a photo. Uh, and also taking risks. That's what I learned the most when I started photography is uh, instead of having your lens zoomed out all the way and, you know, uh, being scared that you'll cut off the wing tips or something, take the risk and, you know, zoom in the lens a little bit more. And yes, you'll clip the wing tips or something like that. But that's how you start finding the creative angles 
um, how your lens works or the location you're shooting from. So there's a lot of different aspects to that. And it's all about experimentation and just uh, the frequency of going out there and actually doing it. That's one thing I've noticed as well. Now, I'm I'm certainly, I'm barely a plane spotter. I mean, the camera I have is a uh, is a Nikon J1. It's, it's a very small, it's not even a DSLR. Um, but the, the lens only is, uh, goes to a 125, I believe. So I don't get a lot of reach out to it. And so really I have to zoom, zoom in as much as I possibly can just to even see the airplane. Um, but on the ones that I'm able to get up close to, you, you want to, you know, you're almost led to, to zoom out so you can get the whole airplane. But when I get home and start to edit them. I end up zooming in and cutting off different parts of the plane just to get that one, that one shot that I wanted to get. So that that's a great tip that you gave to take those risks. Um, other risks that I would suggest not to take is don't go into areas where you could be in trouble because you will have those people who will jump the fence or try to jump the fence, unrealizing there's barbed wire at the top and everything else. Yeah, that's definitely right. Uh, I have had uh, people kick me out of locations and all that. And, I'm um, I'm not the easiest person to kick out either because if I want to get a photo of something, I'm gonna try everything possible to get it. So uh, <laughs> sometimes when they don't leave, I, I I stick around a little bit longer than they'd like to. But, now uh, that's 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 part of aviation photography if you really if you really want to get that photo. Now, what would you recommend for somebody like say for my myself? You know, I'm wanting to get a, a DSLR. Jason, you and I have talked about this a bunch. And, yeah. And I'm, I'm very familiar with the Nikon. My mother has an Nikon. Uh, she does uh, her own photography. Um, she just got a new lens for Christmas. Uh, I forget which one it was, but it uh, it it goes up to 600, which is pretty cool. But, um, you know, I, I've been looking at both the Canon, either the T6i or the Nikon DSL, uh, the D5500 uh, that come with the what is it? 18 to 55 and then 55 to 300, you know, just something to get started. And what, what should I really be looking for? I know a lot of it's going to be in personal preference, but what, uh, from your experience, what should someone or even myself be looking for? Because primarily it's going to be used for plane spotting. So yeah, that's right. And I actually started off with a kit from Costco. So it was back then it was, um, it was also a rebel camera, but, uh, the XS series. Mm -hmm. uh, which is dating from, I believe, 2008 uh, or 2010. So uh, it's a fairly old DSLR by now. And um, it was a huge step for me because I started off with a point-and-shoot camera myself. And as soon as I got the kit lens with 18 to 55 and 55 to 250, I started taking so many photos and just uh, exploring uh, not even aircraft uh, only, but uh, even sunsets, nature, just anything that interested me, I took photos of it. And and um, I spent a lot of time on the internet looking at different lenses and things like that. And at first, I couldn't understand what the purpose of the lenses was or what the difference was in the lenses, uh, why they cost so much that uh, the results looked the same. Um, but then you start to try and take photos of things that you want to, and it's not possible with the current gear you have. So uh, about a year after I got that kit, I ended up buying my first L-series lenses, which was a 70 to 200 lens. And uh, it ran me about uh, $800. And at the time, it was uh, it was a big investment for me as well. But that's when my photos went from uh, you know amateur to uh, let's say 
I don't know what the word would be there, but uh, they didn't look more, like garbage. <laughs> yeah, more of a professional look. Semi-professional. Exactly, yeah. And uh, the thing that's when people were telling me previously on the internet, they were saying uh, buy lenses before you buy a new camera. And I was thinking, oh, like that doesn't make very much sense. Uh, but as soon as I bought my first lens and I put it on the camera, uh, the camera was producing all right results, but it was really the lens that everything became uh, crisp, the colors were much more vibrant. And I realized, okay, like this is what they really mean by purchasing the lens before a camera. Uh, so since then, uh, I've, I've invested more into lenses uh, until I actually have to upgrade my camera because at some point the lenses are important, but the camera also needs to be updated just because uh, the Rebel series do limit you a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, going back to your original question, I think it's uh, any of the kits that they are offering nowadays is good. Uh, just, as long as you have one or two lenses to play around with, it's good to vary between the photos and kind of understand what the lenses do, what you can do with them or you can't. Uh, and then just doing a lot of reading on the internet or asking people for tips, listening to advices from other people. Uh, all that factors into just knowledge into photography. And uh, that's basically what happened to me. I was reading, very informative. I was extremely passionate about it. And then uh, the upgrades started to come and then trying out new things, styles, things like that, developed to my photography. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, there I'm definitely something, it's something that I want to invest in this year. Um, I wanted to last year, just wasn't able to, but, you know, I, I'm just the kind of person that, uh, you know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. And I don't want to spend money on something that is only going to be half ass and then in a year have to upgrade from that, you know, but uh, it's, it's something I'm hoping to definitely get into this year. Yeah, it's uh, it's an expensive hobby for sure. But uh, once again, for some people, just to start a kid is enough for a very long time. Uh, but for me, I was always I always had very much aspiration to improve my photos and and all that stuff. So to me, it was always I knew I would have to enter into the investment of buying lenses and new cameras. But uh, that's not necessary for everybody. Like nowadays, with the cameras they're offering. Just uh, if you know how to edit your photos, you can achieve very similar results with uh, excellent quality. Yeah, the biggest issue I had was when, uh, Jason, you know, when uh, me and my son went out to the uh, air show back in mm -hmm. November for the Blues, um, you know, trying to get some of those action shots. Now, when they were when the planes were uh, taxiing on the runway, of course, I'm able to get really nice shots of those from, from uh, where I was sitting. Uh, but while in flight, I those type of action shots i just could not get the it was like the lens just could not keep up you know i got some that were extremely blurry um or i couldn't zoom out far enough to get to them and it was really frustrating and that's really when it kind of boosted i'm like all right i really need to get something a little bit better than what i have now so the action shot deal uh with aircraft and flight um like i, I know that you've got some of of fighters, um, one with an F-22 and a Warbird. I can't remember, um, but... Um, that was a fire, I believe. Yeah, it was just crisp. You know, like you're on a plane right beside them taking the pictures, and I'm like, that's that's what I'm looking for, something that, that crisp. So hopefully uh, hopefully I'll be able to. I may, I may email you or something with a couple of questions, if that's all right. Of course, that's no problem. But uh, yeah, no, air shows are difficult for sure. It's uh, it's much different from plane spotting just because the action is much faster. 
and it's not always that close especially uh with canada we have to respect the safety rules and everything so i find where we have much more distance versus uh european air shows for example and uh the f-22 photo you're referring to actually was taken with uh one of those big lenses there uh, around twelve thousand dollars and uh, it's it's not easy to maneuver with it because it's heavy and it's a uh, fixed focal length that's very close but uh once you figure out how to use that kind of lens and stuff uh as you can see, the photo that I took produces results that are very promising and satisfying. I'm sorry, did you say $12,000? Uh, yeah, that's right. I, had to, I rented a lens for that cost. and uh, it's, uh, it's a big, big risk uh, having it around because you can, of course, uh, damage it or drop it and things like that. But right. to me, I don't, uh, I don't think of those things just because it's uh, too scary. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, man. And I would imagine a monopod would not be very useful when you're taking aerial shots like that. Uh, it depends. Some people prefer it. Uh, I myself like to have the free hands of uh, being able to pan the aircraft at any time. Uh, it does get a bit tiring on your wrist and everything, holding the lens up. But uh, as part of the photography, right? Uh, you gotta. There's. It's not an easy hobby, so you gotta just get through the tough things and get the photo. Well, I'm seeing I'm seeing your list of equipment and uh, your bio here, and also a picture of you standing inside an engine. And uh, it looks like you uh, have no problem holding on to a heavy lens. <laughs> the gym is also one of your hobbies. I would I would wager a bet. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Bodybuilding. Uh, there you go. My third passion right now, and uh, it, it's helped me a lot with uh, my photography and aviation as well. Because uh, once I figured out what hard work was at the gym, I was able to incorporate that into my other hobbies. And uh, now, just the lifestyle of having to know what work is really works well for me. Awesome. Oh, crap. That means I got to start <laughs> going. To, I got to actually start stopping at the gym instead of just driving by it now. And, you know, I may just stick with the three hundred millimeter. oh man uh so one of my questions here was uh talking about you getting into a bit of video work so you said that's just sort of to help document for yourself is that something you'd like to continue or to expand on are you going to stick to photography Uh, photography is still my number one interest um however recently just uh taking photos are nice memories but sometimes it's nice to you know hear the sound of an aircraft engine or just uh, showing the environment because photos don't always do the justice of an uh, of a location. Yeah. For so, sure. uh, for example, uh, like when I've been to the desert and, and uh, photographed the graveyard aircraft, it's nice to show them off of photos. But I also like to take little video clips just to kind of show in the video, so you can hear the strong gusty winds in there, uh, and the hot sun, and how bright it really is out there. Yeah. Uh, so you can see all those things on photos, but I think a video is nice to kind of show a different perspective and it's a, it's a different visual as well. Yeah. I think at one point you just showed a, a, a turbine fan just kind of windmilling in the wind. Did you not? In one of the videos? Uh, yeah, that's quite possible. Yeah. 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 Take a lot of videos of things like that. So uh, that wouldn't yeah. be oh. uncommon. Yeah. Cool. On your next trip to the desert, my request is that you get some Northwest planes. That's the one thing your site is missing is Northwest. Yeah. I wish I had some photos of that airline. Uh, Mark worked uh, for Northwest for 10 years. In the particular deserts I've been to, um, I believe those are in Arizona and uh, some other airports that are much smaller. But uh, it's definitely a paint job I wish I could have photographed. Gotta love that bowling shoe library. <laughs> 15 <laughs> yeah, years of my life was with that airline. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, 
they came over into Ottawa a couple of times for uh, troop charters a few years ago, but that was uh, before I actually started to take photos. So I yeah, that only, was back uh, in the 90s. Okay. No, that's, uh, I think they were operating into Ottawa around uh, 2007, 2008. So oh, okay. It's, uh, not that long ago, but uh, just enough for me not to have any photos of them. Well, yeah, guys. Absolutely gorgeous. Sir. Let's get to uh, some of our forum questions, if that's all right with you guys. Um, uh, like I said before, we've had lots of them. So, guys. I mean, if uh, we have to. <laughs> uh, guys on the forum, great questions. Um, thank you for submitting them, as always. And uh, so, we'll just take a quick break before we get to our community questions for a ad from LifeLight. Mark, have you heard of Live Flight for Infinite Flight? Yeah, man. I've used it to track flights and to see which regions and airports are busy before, you know, planning my flight. Right. Well, as you probably know, a new version of Live Flight is now available at liveflightapp.com. This new version is better than ever and has been rebuilt from the ground up. With a new design, more flight stats, a search feature, and airport information, tracking and planning your flight is easier than ever. Oh, man, I know. And now with the new downloadable KML files, you can download your flight data to any Earth browser, such as Google Earth. It's so cool. Absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, you can now subscribe to Live Flight Horizon, a new service for only $1.99 a month that provides real-time, worldwide airport information such as weather, runway data, and charts. It also allows you to search for flights, active ATC frequencies, and airports. And as a Live Flight Horizon subscriber, you'll also get much longer online sessions, and you'll be helping Cam to keep developing and improving this great app. So guys, make sure you head over to liveflightapp.com to give it a try, and also subscribe to Live Flight Horizon. It will make your infinite flight experience so much better. Live Flight is now available in the App Store for iOS. And now back to the podcast. So let's uh, continue on with some community questions, guys. Um, we've covered a few of these already, but uh, I'll ask them anyway, and, and if there's anything we can gain from uh, asking them again or parts of them, then we'll do that. Uh, Mubashir uh, asked, what is your favorite lens for photographing aircraft? And I'll just say further to that, since you've kind of already touched on that, um, KEV Virtual asked if there were some minimum specs that you would recommend for a camera and lens combo and spotting. So like you already mentioned, Jan, there's uh, Costco packages you can get. I think, Mark, you might have even been looking at one of those um, where you can get uh, body and lens combos and stuff like that. So if you were to tell somebody, okay, if you want the best bang for your buck, um, I know you're into like big money uh, gear at this point but is there is sort of some minimum specs that you would suggest if someone were to actually want to do some plane spotting uh yeah for sure so uh, to answer the first question there uh, my favorite lens at the moment is the 100 400 series mark ii lens from canon and uh i bought that lens over two years ago now and i've really started to produce some stunning results with that lens uh the image stabilization on it is simply incredible uh sometimes the photos i take with it it's um, I don't even understand how it worked out just because the settings become so difficult with the conditions that uh, technically the photos don't make any sense. <laughs> They're happy accidents and, at that point. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, and as for, like I mentioned, uh, when I started off with the Costco kit, it was uh, around $800 or something. So it wasn't uh, necessarily cheap, but it was still under $1,000. So it's still affordable for somebody who really wants to get into the photography aspect. And uh, those kits are still offered nowadays. Um, however, it's, of course, newer technology, so newer cameras and uh, newer lenses and stuff. So naturally, all that stuff is better and higher quality. So that's uh, I really do recommend that with uh, if somebody wants to get into plane spotting because 
uh, you'll have the range of having two different lenses, a wide lens and a, a telephoto lens. And then you can figure out which uh, how the lenses work for aviation photography. And uh, usually the 55 to 250s or to 300 series lenses, uh, it's much. It's enough zoom to get you pretty much anywhere you go around the world. So uh, it's not even a, a stress factor if you're going to a different airport and a new spotting location and you're worried that, uh, oh, I'm not going to have enough reach and things like that. It's uh, I've never encountered a problem like that. And then, uh, of course, as, as you uh, evolve into photography and figure out more things, that's when you start investing into the lenses and cameras uh, and start losing your money. <laughs> there you go. And hopefully make some by so, selling your photos. Uh, yeah, that's right. So uh, sometimes that happens, but uh, not enough to compensate for all the purchases so far. Uh, there you so, go. So basically what you're saying, instead of going up to the Piggly Wiggly to buy uh, the lens attachment for my disposable camera. I just need to hold off uh, <laughs> to get the combo kit. All right. Uh, whatever works. Uh, not everybody likes the combo kit, but uh, that's my recommendation for sure. Cool. And uh, it, doesn't have to be from, it doesn't have to be from Costco either. It's uh, Those packages are offered pretty much any photography store out there. Yeah, the ones I've been looking at between the Canon and the uh, the Nikon are actually – uh, anywhere from eight to nine hundred dollars. Of course, you can just buy the body uh, for you know five six hundred dollars, depending on what you want, or you can get the combo kit. So um, it, it's pretty much consistent across the board wherever you go. Now, uh, uh, Jan, I've got uh, just an off-brand. Uh, I've, I've well, I've got a Rebel first of all. It's a T2i, and so I've had it for well, a long time now, five or six years. The I wanted an external flash, so something really simple. Put a uh, just for taking pictures of my kids. Um, I got an off-brand flash that was compatible with Canon. Is that something for amateur photographers getting into it if they can't afford like the super expensive lens? But are there any? Uh, would you recommend going for a, a, a compatible alternative, or what? What do you say to that? Yeah, yeah, no. There's definitely a lot of third-party options out there, even for lenses. And, uh, you know, just you got to make sure that it's a legitimate product that's going to actually work. Um, usually if something has a lot of reviews on it, then you can tell that it's something that's uh, worth purchasing. So uh, I've, I haven't personally bought anything third, uh, third party for my lenses or anything, but uh, I have used things like that. And although they do the job, um, I've now become extremely picky about quality and, uh, and how uh, lenses are affecting my performance. So um, at this point, I'm really trying to look at uh, the best available options out there. However, uh, when I was starting out photography, just uh, different uh, how the lenses were, uh, was it, whether it was a Canon, a Sigma, things like that, uh, the difference was really not all that significant. Okay. But uh, again, as you start developing photography and uh, become more demanding depending on what kind of person you are, then uh, those things do start to make a difference. Okay. And I, yeah, I, Cameron I is one that I've heard about a lot. That's what my mom's lens is that she just got for Christmas. The 600, uh, is it Tamron? I think it's what it's called. Uh, yeah, that'll probably be the, uh, Tamron 150 to 600 series lenses. Right. Yeah. That's what it is. The 150 to 600. So, and that's, and, and, and I'm the kind of person personally that, you know, I like to stick with the brand for for everything. You know, if you have one thing, I don't want to get something third party. I want to get something that's going to match it that was made for it by the same manufacturer. But I've done a lot of research on the lenses, and Tamron is one that just keeps popping up. So I didn't know what your experience was with those. Uh, yeah, so in the past couple of years, uh, those companies have definitely 
step their game up with technology. And I believe even some of their lenses are better than the uh, main companies like Canon and Nikon, just because uh, they discovered that they're the only ones on the market. So they decided to have some competition to them and really invest in the technology to create a new lens. So there's, uh, they're obviously both uh, very similar now. It's the same thing with Canon and Nikon. They're both uh, different camera systems. However, the results you can get with them are pretty much the same. It's all more about preference and uh, which camera you're more familiar with. Yep, definitely. I noticed that on your, at least on your Instagram feed, that your the 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 thing I see popping up the most in terms of gear is the is your D six obviously, and then the one hundred four hundred Mark II lens, um, and that Gulfstream G G two eighty photo that you posted is wicked. Like that that That's might be much. one of my favorite photos that you've ever posted, which I had to repost because I'm like, man, look is that at, the one with the head on. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Just- yeah, yeah, thanks very much. It was, uh, that was a tough shot to get. I was actually um, I was standing on top of a van, the rooftop, to get over top of the fence. Oh, really? Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's. Um, I've been doing that a lot lately at the Ottawa airport because uh, we do have nice spotting locations. But uh, that head-on angle, like the Gulfstream example, is something I really like. But uh, the only way to get that angle is to stand up on something that's a couple meters up high. Can you so, sort of uh, rest the lens on the fence at that point? I know uh, I'm still about two meters away from the fence, okay. so I just uh, I actually stand on top of the roof and hold it with me and then get down as soon as possible to avoid any fuss. Man, congrats on that shot. It's incredible. It Thanks, is sir. definitely badass for sure. Uh, and guys, just uh, why don't we take a sec and just uh, before we forget, uh, I want to give people where they can go to see these photos. So uh, the best spot, uh, really, I think, because the, all these locations are in the footer of the website, which we've already noted, uh, noted is uh, photoyan.ca. So photoyan.ca. If you go to the contact page at uh, or any page at the bottom, there are links to Facebook, Instagram, uh, looks like Flickr, and airplanepictures.net. And uh, you can see all of this guy's photos. They're wicked. Absolutely awesome. Uh, the only thing I would say that you're missing. Yeah, the bowling shoe library. More, we all we all know. No, no, no. Well, yeah, the Northwest Library bowling <laughs> shoe, but you you're missing the opportunity to really capture the essence and beauty of the Cessna 172. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I agree with you actually on that aspect. <laughs> they don't particularly excite me, but uh, the more I fly these aircraft, the more I think uh, maybe I should photograph them as well. You would think. I mean, yeah, when Jay first uh, introduced me to your website, gosh, Jay, what, it's been a year now? Yeah, Almost? I think so, last year sometime, yeah. Yeah, I was going through, and I'm like, there ain't the first d- 172 on this page. Let me just go ahead and get off this. Let me go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me go to the next tab and see what I can see in there. Maybe he's got them in there. But, yeah, the, you got to get the 172. I'll, uh, I'll get one in there for you. I'll mention you in it. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's get back to the forum questions. Tyler is asking, uh, is, there, is there any airport that you would consider to be your dream spotting location uh, that you plan on visiting in the future? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of different airports out there that I'd like to visit for sure. Um, I can't particularly think of one right now, but uh, Miami Airport looks uh, very nice to have a lot of variety and uh, fairly good locations for what I see. Yeah. That's an uh, awesome airport. Houston, Texas as well. Uh, I've seen a lot of great night shots there of the wide bodies. So that's definitely an airport I'd like to visit for uh, night photography. 
Um, other than that, uh, maybe Hong Kong airport as well in China. Um, just a lot of the airports, the international ones. It's, uh, it would be nice to visit all of them, of course. But uh, on top of my head, that was uh, Miami and Houston would be the the, the closest to uh, to home right now. So cool. The great thing about Miami is you're close to also Fort Lauderdale, which is where you're going to get a lot of the biz jets in, and to be able to wrap those two into one would be fairly awesome. Yeah, I've uh, I've been to Fort Lauderdale uh, around four or five years ago now. So uh, back then that was when uh, there were still just mostly domestic flights in there. But uh, I'm looking now that uh, Emirates Airlines is flying in there and a bunch of different wide bodies. So it's definitely an airport I'd like to go back to. Uh, David's asking, what aircraft picture are you most proud of that you've taken? Uh, like, what's your favorite? If you had to pick one, what would it be? Uh, that's an extremely difficult question, actually. Yeah. I really don't know which uh, would be my top photo. Uh, I think my favorite photo was the one I'm going to take next. (laughs) (laughs) Always a critic. Always a critic. Oh, that's a great one. That's a great one, yeah. So uh, I've definitely got a lot of photos that I'm proud of and uh, I enjoy looking at, but after a certain while, I'm always looking to get something even better and a different perspective. So it's it's a question I can't really answer. uh, I can definitely choose maybe a top 10 or top 20. But uh, a single photo, it's, I would really have to think about that one. All right, guys, that's going to be it for the questions for this segment. But like we said, we are going to stay on the line here with Jan, and we're going to ask him a whole bunch more questions that you guys ask on the forum. So don't forget to keep watching for your chance to subscribe to Flightcast Airport Cafe, and you can get all of that bonus content and uh, lots, lots more questions. Uh, Jan, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go tonight? Uh, no, just uh, if you're passionate about aviation and photography, pursue it. Uh, take as many photos as you want. I recommend taking in all the advice people give to you and process it. Uh, think what's best for yourself. And really just uh, it's all about enjoying the hobby versus you know trying to be the best out there. Um, if you're trying to be the best out there, you know you kind of lose the sense of actual plane spotting. And uh, you're looking more to get the shot. So it's, it really depends on what kind of thing you want to do. But my number one recommendation is just enjoy the camera and the free time while you can. Cool. Uh, guys, definitely check out uh, Jan's work on Instagram, which is photo Yazinski, which is photo J-A-S-I-N-S-K, uh, sorry, K-S-I on Instagram. And uh, as we've already said many times, check out his website at photoyan.ca. Jan, thank you so much for making time for us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me, uh, Jason. It's uh, always a pleasure to share, you know, my perspective on photography and de-icing. Awesome. Cheers. Yeah, it's definitely been been awesome having you on here, man. We've we've been looking for this, uh, looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, thanks, Mark. And uh, I'm sorry I don't have any 172 photos for you. That's uh, you know a big disappointment to you, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure I'll get some and definitely send them your way. Yeah, that's the only reason I followed you on Instagram was hopefully you know one day there will be a 172 on there. Now you do have one where you're in the right seat uh, and 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 you got a picture of you know y'all landing on a runway or whatever, but that's it. Well, is that uh, is that the only photo you followed me for? <laughs> no, I no. actually didn't see that one until the other day uh, when oh. I was scrolling through when Jason said he had you narrowed down. But you know, I, I scrolled through it and I'm like, "There's not the first damn 172 picture on here other he's, than that one." He's following you for the photo you will take eventually of the 172. 
I'll have to put on a bowling shoe library on that one. <laughs> yeah, now I'll see. Photoshop That's what up. I'm talking about. Here we go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thanks very much, and uh, hope to hear from you guys soon. That was aviation photographer and de-icing bay lead at Ottawa, Jan Yazinski, and he joined us via Skype from his home in Gatineau, Quebec, in Canada. Thanks as always for listening, and if you haven't already, head over to the App Store or Google Play and download Infinite Flight. For more of the podcast, visit our website and be sure to subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Flightcast Audio. Flightcast is brought to you by Linkhouse Media on the web at linkhousemedia.com. We can always use your help to keep the podcast rolling, and a few ways to do that are by clicking the donate button at the bottom of our website or by heading to flightcast.audio slash shop to buy your very own Flightcast gear. To cover the fine print, Flightcast is not affiliated with Infinite Flight or Flying Development Studio. I'm Jason Rosewell. Thanks for listening and happy landing. Right now, actually, we'll pause for a little quick brick. Uh, crap. A quick brick? A quick brick, yeah. All right. Well, we we'll, doing drugs we'll now? We'll add that or? to the end of the... We'll add that to the bloopers. <clears throat> Guys, let's just take a quick break for a... a uh, I gotta... See, if I don't write it down, it's just a write-off. Let's just take a quick I'm break. A, I'm going to... Do you want to set up the live flight ad? <laughs> you know I, I'll screw it up for sure. <laughs> okay, hold on. All right, guys, let's just take a quick break for a... No, see? Hold on. Let's just take a quick break for uh, Cam to talk about his live flight that don't have work. <laughs> He's not even in the ad. <laughs> Sorry, Jan. We try to be professionals and it just doesn't happen. No, that's the problem. Uh, I believe... We're no longer on air, right? It's, uh, you paused it. No, I'll, I'll edit this out, but it may end up in the blooper reel at the end. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, guys, we're now just going to take... break for... Yeah, for Life Flight Horizon.